Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday, everyone. It is Black History Month. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm excited to say that for the entire hour for our show today, we are going to have the extraordinary storytelling group of Soul. And we're starting with a longtime friend uh, and, and uh, I say colleague, co-conspirator, right? Absolutely, um, Shelly Davis, welcome to Living Out Loud. Thanks, Mary. Happy to be here. Um, so, you know, we always start with a little host chat and um, just thinking, when did we meet? I'm guessing it was either 1992 or, or 1993. 93. So you and I were part of a group called OWIDU, which was a long acronym called <laughs> African American <laughs> Women, Women in, in Defense, Defense of, of Ourselves, which was a black feminist organization right. started in support of Anita Hill. Yes, Anita Hill. Oh, my goodness. And those horrible hearings. I remember seeing all that on television. Um, so that's when it all started. But then um, doing work together over the years, we were at Chicago Foundation for Women together for a while. And then we've just, you know, gone about our business, done our work, <laughs> uh, but, you know, come back a together. Jason and an ally. Absol- absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up on, I know, the south side of Chicago. I grew up where, in South Shore. Yeah, South Shore. And where did you go to school? I went to Robert A. Black, which mm-hmm. is um, a grammar school on the far south side. Well, not far south, 91st Street. Mm-hmm. And then went to Whitney Young for high school. Whitney Young. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then spent most of my time outside of school with the Chicago Children's Choir. Okay, that's right. I do remember that. Okay. And and then where did you go to college? I went to Lawrence University, which is in Appleton, Wisconsin. They have a conservatory of music, so I started as a music education and psychology dual degree student. Did that for two years. That was crazy. And then stopped and finished with my psychology degree, but studied music through college. Okay, I don't yeah. think I realized that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A choir kid throughout. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now you have, of course, a family and two mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And where's Naima going to school? My daughter is at Oberlin College. Oh, Oberlin. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. right. It's mm-hmm. another great school. Okay. And my son is at Whitney Young. Whitney Young, following in her well, tradition. that's the way it goes. <laughs> well, you know, we're, as I said, this is Black History Month, and I can't think of a better way to continue the celebration than to have on um, Soul. We, you know, of course, uh, are supporters of Soul. Um, my spouse and I are love storytelling and mm-hmm. we were at your show during the summer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you just had a show um, that was recorded in can TV yeah but, yeah but let's start with giving us just give us some overview of soul and how it all came together right 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 so I had been studying storytelling in improv theaters so there was the revival theater that just closed it used to be in Hyde mm-hmm. Park mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years then I went over to Second City and took some oh, storytelling there you went to Second City mm-hmm. that's why I, I started did. my improv yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and in both places sometimes I was the oldest person mm-hmm. in the room practically always the only black woman really mm-hmm. and and so you know how those show those workshops go like you do the workshop and then friends and family come right. for like sort of a student right. showcase like a recital <laughs> yeah 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 and so then the audience of course reflects the people that are in the workshops so then i didn't really have much of a diverse audience and so i'd work mm-hmm. on my stories and i would work with them and my, with my classmates and and someone was like well, I know it's, I know it's 
weird or a problem to get pulled over by the police, but it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, mm. like, it was just, they couldn't relate. Okay. And so it just wasn't as fun. Fast forward, um, 2019, I was in a workshop led by Willa Taylor. Ah, okay. <laughs> and this was for um, the National Day of Racial Healing. Oh, right. Okay. And that show um, was happened to be, it was an open call. I just signed up. It was free, so I was like, why not? And that show happened to be all women of color. Oh, and it was the okay. first time I had ever been in a show with all women of color. Mm. And there were two women that I really enjoyed their work. I invited them over for dinner a couple of months later, and they said, I have this idea. Why don't we do this all the time? And so we started Soul, and I said, I think I know um, someone that might serve as our artistic director, mm -hmm. Emily Hooper Lansana, who is a friend of ours. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and a master storyteller mm -hmm. in her own right. She's a mm -hmm. folklorist. That's right. And we invited her to the table and said, let's figure out a fee structure so we could pay you and can you structure a workshop and I said instead of doing like a student showcase um, how about we also build in rehearsal time so we can do some high polish high quality shows so that's how Soul was started and we came up with the name Soul which is um, a sort of an acronym mm -hmm. so it is it, it we are women of the sun so Soul is S-O-L so Soul is um, Spanish for sun. We are telling the stories of our lives. Yeah. 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 So that so that's how we came up with the name. And we are a collective. So not all of us are here today, but people come in and out. And, you know, the goal is to have shared leadership mm -hmm. and for us to be able to represent soul wherever we are. Wonderful. I love that story. And this just goes to show you, you have an idea. You know, you want to put some time and energy into yeah. it. It can happen. It was amazing. I mean, my goal when I first started taking classes was to be able to compete at the Moth. And then like once I went oh, to okay. see the story slams, I was like, I don't want to compete. And plus, men practically always win. And most of these people are actors. And I'm not any of these things. Well, that's very interesting because I have a friend who won the Moth competition. Uh, you know, man, yes. actor, or, yes. or, or at least a theater background, right. for sure. Yeah, Right, mm -hmm. right. And I don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I have, mm -hmm. I have the choir kid background, which means I can get in front of a mic. But that's about it. And I like for the personal essay narrative piece of it. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, so you all just did a, this incredible um, production uh, for our Chicago Access uh, Network, our cable access network here, Can TV. And tell us a little bit about how that came about. And we're also going to then take a moment and listen to your story, one of your stories. Yeah, um, it was great. So I've been keeping in touch with Can TV. For a couple of years now, um, and invited the executive director, Darius Hillman, to watch our show. So the show that you came to last year in June, to, um, what is the 2023, we also did a live virtual watch party. And so right. I invited a bunch of people friends, family, allies, potential supporters, including Darius, to watch. And he watched throughout, and we were watching on Zoom, so I could sort of private chat him and say, like, do you like it? You mm -hmm, know, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And I saw him afterwards, and he said, I love it. I want to do your your winter show. So we typically do two shows a mm -hmm, year in, mm -hmm. in June and in November, December. And um, he said, we'll bring you into the studio. And 
he just sort of took off and running with it. And he actually signed on this year to film both of our shows. Oh, so nice. he will, um, our next show is June 3rd and he will, um, send, uh, a crew out to tape us and then it'll air later. Wonderful. Well, I hope to be in person for that show um, because I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it in June. It's hard to believe that was just in June of last mm-hmm. year. I don't mm-hmm. know what's happened with time. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed it. And what I appreciate is that, um, you know, I've done storytelling and, and I've, um, of course, lived with a storyteller <laughs> um, and someone who teaches it. Yet, you know, people everywhere telling stories. Right. Uh, yet they may not be taking, let's just say, the time and care, you know, that some of us may be taking with our story. Um, have you ever done work with Second Story? Yes. So Willa's co-teacher um, for the workshop I was in was was a Second Story second teacher. Story. Okay. I can't remember her name. Yes. Um, but it, just about care. I mean, I think the other way people tell stories is can be in an open mic format, right. which is fine. Yeah. But this is our point about distinguishing ourselves with exactly, high polish exactly. and having that rehearsal time. And that's what I like myself. I'm a little less off the cuff about that sort of thing. Uh, because if I don't, like, if I am not clear about what I'm saying, I could just very easily go off on a tangent, mm-hmm. you know. And I've seen that happen. Uh, and so um, I like, you know, being prepared. Uh, and I know you, you you all have these two shows because it gives you time to really think about the topic, which I know you put a lot of thought mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. and then to think about the ways that you're going to really, uh, you know, key into that topic and how everyone has a particular way that that topic is going to, um, you know, sort of become real to them. And it's very different. And that's what I thought came through very nicely in yeah. this show. Yeah, yeah. And we're volunteer-led, so we yeah. can only take on so much. So doing two shows a year it's is a big chunk of time. That's right. Yeah. Well, to do it to the... At the level of quality. Yeah. You know, you could do it in a shorter amount of time, but you would not have the quality that you have now. So let's set up uh, the habit of tenderness, which I love, a habit of tenderness. I love that uh, that title. Tell us a little bit about the show, and then we're going to listen to your piece. So all of our shows have the same format where we do what I would call sort of... Um, uh, connected stories. So the first half of the show, we are all doing something along the same theme, um, which is tied to the title. So this one is mm-hmm. Habit of Tenderness. And then the second half, we do our independent, our individual show uh, mm-hmm. stories that we have developed that may or may not have similar preliminaries to it. Yeah. Okay. So this is your This piece. is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I wrote this essay um and submitted it to NPR uh, for uh, this, I, the, this I Believe segment. Mm-hmm. It was never picked up. Mm-hmm. I sent it to Real Simple Magazine. It was never picked up. Mm-hmm. And then I read it to the group and then developed it from there yeah. and reworked it. Yeah. No, I think it has an important message. And uh, you, you're, the stories don't generally have titles to them. Is that correct? Um, yeah, sometimes. pretty much. Sometimes yeah, they do, do, but sometimes most of they, they don't. don't. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a short uh, moment here, just a little bit of time, and we're going to listen uh, to the first story, um, at least the first story we're going to hear, and we're going to be hearing stories throughout. Um, but this is Shelley Davis's story from A Habit of Tenderness. I was in my car, tapping my steering wheel at a red light, stuck in traffic. Of course, I was overscheduled, late for a meeting, couldn't find the parking lot I was supposed to be in. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw her. She was holding her walker, 
Her support holes were pulled around her ankles. Her clogs were barely holding on to her feet. And she stepped off the curb. The walker, one foot, stepped together. The walker, one foot, stepped together. It was me and two other rows of traffic. She was in the middle of my car and the light was already starting to flash red. Then a man came out of nowhere, stood between her and my car. He moved as she moved. The walker, one foot, stepped together. The walker, one foot, stepped together. Even after she cleared my car, I waited. The light was green. She cleared the next car. The next car waited. The light was still green. We all had decided, us as drivers, that we were responsible for this woman's safety. And it wasn't until the stranger got her to the other side of the street and deposited her on the opposite curb. And he moved as fastly, fastly as he came. We drove away. That was 10 years ago. I'll never forget it. I mean, I can't help but wonder what was in this man that made him help this stranger? Was it that his mother always told him, help a lady across the street? Was it part of his faith, always help somebody in need? It also made me remember that if I just stop, if I just watch and listen, the power of humanity is everywhere. And it's even in the middle of the street. And that was the first story that we are going to hear today, but there are many more coming. Um, that was Shelley Davis, who's my co-host today here on Living Out Loud. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by two other members of the Soul Collective. You're listening to Living Out Loud. We're back in a moment. back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton. I'm here today with Shelley Davis, and I'm happy to say we're going to welcome some additional members from the Soul Collective, and we're going to welcome Michelle Hughes and Keela Moore. 
Hello. How are Hello. you? Thanks so much for joining us and being in studio. It's really a treat to have folks in studio, and I appreciate you making the trek. I know it's not around the corner for any of us, um, but <laughs> thank you for being here. So we just heard a piece from uh, A Habit of Tenderness. We heard Shelley's piece, one of her pieces in that in that particular show. Um, wanted to just hear from you a little bit about um, how you got involved and what, what drew you to uh, the Soul Collective, Michelle. Well, I'm semi-retired. I okay. said I was retired, but now I'm working again. Okay. But I'm a retired clergy person. Ah. And but wanted to get more in the creative side of my life and that creative energy came to the June show with my soon to be daughter in law and she was the one that pushed me. She was like, These are your people. Oh, oh, you I love need that. to join this group. And like she was calling me, like, Did you call them? Did you write them? Like, these are your people. You can do it. And so I did, and then a couple months later, I think I got from either you or Terry, I got an email, and I called her, and I'm like, oh, I'm in. I think I'm in. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you have some experience talking to crowds of folks, apparently. I have, have experience, but storytelling, I find, is very different. Okay. And what, 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 how do you, what are the differences? I'm not used to telling my story. Ah, that's that's a big difference. Right. I'm yeah. used to telling other people's stories. Mm-hmm. I've I've done therapeutic storytelling. Yep. But it's not ever been about me. Okay. So it's a big it's a big challenge to to mine your experiences and then try to share to share those things. Well, I, and and I'm going to bring in uh, Keila, uh, Keila, and then I want to just talk a little bit about my. Uh, storytelling experiences as well. But Keela, uh, welcome to Living Out Loud. Tell tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get to Seoul? Well, thank you. Um, so I currently work as a project manager in a finance department working on IT systems and integrations. I came to Seoul in a different way. At a former job, I was getting feedback that I needed to work on my communication skills and telling the story mm-hmm. and building my confidence. And so I looked for a way to do that. And I ended up reaching out to Emily Lansana, who's the artistic director. She so happens to be my godmother. I knew she was <laughs> teaching storytelling. So I thought, okay, I need to work on telling my story at work. What if I took a storytelling class? And so I did. And I gained a lot of skills. I took another class. My work had started improving. And I got all this great feedback about my stories. And so that inspired me to join Soul Collective. And then once I met the women and Shelly, I was like, this is where I need to be. Wonderful. What a great story. And for two entirely different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the yeah. beauty, right, of, of Soul, that people come to it from different perspectives. Um, there are some things that you all have in common and that you're all women of color. You mm-hmm. all identify in most cases as black. Is that mm-hmm. Was that something that you particularly were interested in, Shelley? Um, no, actually. That's, so my other two co-founders who actually haven't been um, participating recently, one is Latina mm-hmm. um, and one is black. So I think we were always hoping for a black-brown uh-huh. coalition and, and we're still open to that. But most recently, it's been only black women that have been participating. Okay. Well, let's go back to Michelle and, and Keila for a moment. I'm curious, what was uh, most surprising? What have you found most surprising about your work with Soul and Let's start with you, Michelle. The most surprising thing I found out is that I'm not soft and fuzzy. 
listening to everybody's stories. I said this in one of the rehearsals. Everybody's so sensitive and soulful. <laughs> and I feel like my story is like, and then the person said. And I was like, I called my friends and I was like, you guys, I'm not soft and fuzzy at all. And they were like, yeah, you just found that I know, out. I know, <laughs> yes. That's very funny. That's like, we've known for a while. Uh-huh. Okay, and what about you? Uh, for me, well... I always had a fear of public speaking, mm. and so this pushed me outside the box. And when I'm telling the story after this whole process, I find myself transformed, more confident, kind of out-of-body experience, and I'm able to project what I want to project and say the story that I'm trying to say. And what have you—I What you? I think you've answered this to some degree, but would love to hear a little bit more about what you've learned about yourself through storytelling and through your, your work with Soul. Um, I've learned more about how my experiences can help others. Um, after I told my first story with Soul Collective, I had people coming up to me like, I could relate to your story. And I was surprised because I thought it was just affecting me and that it was more of an isolated experience. And so to realize that um, other people are going through similar experiences um, help me with my healing journey and also become a better storyteller. Wonderful. And for you, what would you say you've learned besides the fact that you're not <laughs> soft and fuzzy, <laughs> warm and fuzzy? Um, what, what things have you learned about yourself, Michelle? I've learned uh, through the writing exercises and mining your experiences, it's making me really think about how those have shaped me. So it's uh, a lot of aha moments mm -hmm. as you, as going through this process for me. Okay. That things I might not have connected before, that now I connect. All right. Well, you know, we're going to hear about how you all made some of those connections because we actually have some excerpts from your last show, uh, Habit of Tenderness, which I just want to say was beautifully done, I thought, and produced. And uh, we're not telling, um, we're, we're not sharing the entire story. I'm hoping that this is an impetus for folks to go and to check out your entire production, which folks can see on YouTube, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so we're going to take a short break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to hear more from our storytellers from Seoul. You're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm here with the members of the Soul Collective. It's a very special uh, way to celebrate Black History Month, which, of course, we celebrate all year round. Right? Of course we do. Right. Um, but we were talking just about what it means to come into a group like Soul and wanted to hear a little bit more from uh, Michelle and Shelley and Keela about 
the actual process, because I went through the process for um, Second Story. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I put it off for so long was because it you have to commit some time to it. You yeah. know, you don't do this kind of like, oh, I'll do it when I get to it. I mean, there are deadlines and, you know, writing prompts. And, and really, you have to have something to produce mm-hmm. <laughs> or that you have, you know, you have written. And so I really have to do it when I think, OK, I've got a span of maybe three months. But let's talk about the process uh, for coming into Seoul in terms of getting to your member now. Let's start there. You're a member. Uh, and we're working on a show. What happens next? Oh, you go, Shelly. <laughs> um, so typically by the time we start, so we have a workshop process and then we have a rehearsal process mm-hmm. to get to show. So um and usually we have business meetings in between this. And in the business meetings we are um, Emily is asking us for our ideas around themes and then she produces a curriculum for our workshops. So okay. we have a good six, I think, workshops or seven and we meet mostly by Zoom, which has been convenient, um, where she has a, what she calls a story box and there are three writing prompts that we can choose from. And we work through those and we also have writing time. So we meet for almost two, a little bit over two hours on Zoom and we go through um, free writing time and then we share out and we provide feedback. And then she pushes us to, by the time we get to workshop four to be thinking about what have we generated so far to then we want to polish up for mm-hmm. the show. Um and we're expected to work in between the workshops to then bring something. So ideally, at each workshop, by the time we get to workshop number two, we should be sharing something that we've worked on in between and generating something new. Um, so it take it takes a lot of time. It mm-hmm. does take time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how did you find uh, the process, uh, Michelle and Keela? Let's start with you, Keela. Uh, well, it is the only reason why I was able to get on stage is because of all this um, practice and effort and feedback. It is challenging, like it is a time commitment. I'm uh, full-time and I have two small children, so I had to kind of work with my husband to make sure that I could vote the time I needed to the process, but it's been worth it. Okay, and for you, Michelle? the best part about the process for me is it untaps that spigot. It opens up the mm-hmm, spigot of mm-hmm. stuff you didn't even know that was there. Right. And then having the feedback from the other members is so key because then you get to hear how it how it lands or is it landing as you intended. Um, yeah. So that's been um, that that's been very motivating. Uh, one of the most exciting prompts we had is when we went to. Uh, uh, art exhibit. We had like a private showing for an art exhibit. It was Crystals? I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it, I can't remember either. But it was at the Logan Center for the Arts, where we're where we're um, a community member, a mm-hmm. community partner. Mm-hmm. And just being there as a as a group, and then everybody picking a piece of art to then oh, to okay. write about. So those kinds of things, just to just to. Open up the creative spigot exactly. has been very powerful. Exactly, and really, I guess, and 
something that we can apply to other areas of our life as well, right? This Mm -hmm. is just not contained to when you are working on a story or getting ready for your next show. I I remember when I was working on my story. Well, first of all, I said, well, I don't have any stories, which they said, well, that's a lie, Mary. Uh, We already know. We have some stories we'd like you to tell (laughs) if you don't want to. Um, So, yes, everybody has stories, right? Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful part of this. And it really is, to your point, how do you tap into that... um, memory, right, in some cases? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you tap into those memories? How do you bring that forward? Um, And the back and forth between you and and Emily, in this case, in terms of pushing you sometimes? How's that been for you, darling? Um, It's been really tough. (laughs) I always tell people this is the scariest thing I've ever done. And that's Um, exactly right why you're doing it. Yeah, that's exactly exactly why I'm doing it. Um, So when I first started working with Emily and just like I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've known Emily for a mm-hmm. long time, right? Which means she tells me the truth. <laughs> um, you know, she, I really, it was hard for me to tell stories without being tied to the written page. And she really had to push me to stop writing mm, to really work from talking points and an outline and to really write a story map to the point I'm so I'm not reading a script and she just really you know and Emily um is an actress by training right. and then was trained as a storyteller um, and as and as a director and, and became a director and producer along the way so she has this amazing background but she but you know, she just said to me, she's like, you know what? If you're writing something and trying to memorize it, that's called acting. That is not storytelling. And that always stuck with me in a way that I was like, okay, I get it, but how do I get there? Um, and so that was that was a big leap for me. I feel like that was the final leap for me. Interesting. Yeah, my concern, uh, because when you, you work with Second Story, you do have a... You, you can use your notes, mm-hmm. and in fact, you, you are reading a story, mm-hmm. and, that's mm-hmm. a, and, and, and generally there's also other production elements around you, right? There's somebody, you're, you're, maybe he's got some music, there may be some sound effects, things of that nature. And so um, that, that is very different, uh, a very different way to think about yeah. telling a story, right? Because if you're telling a story at a party, you're telling the story, right? And, and you're into it in a particular way. You don't need any notes for it. You know this story very well. And so that's a really interesting distinction, which I don't, honestly don't think I've, I've heard before. How was that for you in terms of, 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 of telling the story versus um, you know, reading the story and being maybe a little bit more tied to uh, a document? It was terrifying because uh, I'm used to public speaking, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much a manuscript preacher. Mm-hmm. I write everything down. And so then for Emily to say, no, you're messing up. You, It's not about you reading it. Tell yeah. it. And yeah. um, I'm, a, I'm one of the newest members, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't have a teleprompter. I was, like, very <laughs> upset. And went into meltdown. You just didn't want notes. You wanted a teleprompter, huh, Michelle? Okay. How can I? I can't do this. But once Emily worked with me and and said that the reason that you're stumbling is um, that you're trying to remember the exact words Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. not the exact words. Because when you write, you know, you agonize over that word and you don't want that lost in the telling. But that's not what carries the telling. So that was a big lesson to learn. That is really important. And and again, I I just feel very much a kindred spirit that you asked for a teleprompter. Um, (laughs) Love that so much. Uh, Like, that's not happening here. (laughs) Yes, please, Keela. Um, For me, it was actually freeing because part of the 
stage fright and the problem I had with communicating and giving presentations at work was because I was so worried about saying everything accurately, 100%. And so to just like, okay, let go of the words, let go of the specifics, just say the essence of the story and it's okay if it changes every single day. That clicked for me and allowed me to then focus on the message and what I was trying to say, the story itself versus like the specifics of the story and how I wanted it to be if it was written down. That's wonderful. And, and you know, it makes me think about uh, some of the workshops we do at Morton Group where, you know, we have a fairly detailed deck. There's a facilitator's um, uh, sort of deck as well, or or certainly directions and notes for the facilitator. And, you know, as, as time goes by, you evolve and you do things in a different way. But when we first started years ago, facilitators thought they needed to read every single word. And it's like, no, no, yes, that deck has been put in, has been put together for you by the education and curriculum director. However, you have now been doing this work for so long that we know you know it. And you don't have to worry about saying it exactly as it has been written. But but I have a number of folks who are actors. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that really becomes much more difficult for them to let go and to really let what they know about the topic come through. And so I can see it being somewhat similar uh, because it's just I mean, I have an acting background as well. So that's what I'm I'm used to doing is looking at a. You know, notes and, you know, you make notes. Also, as I said before, I have a tendency to kind of go a little off message, um, you know, get excited. And that's not helpful uh, because one thing I'd like to do is to make sure that I'm I'm being on time. <laughs> you know, particularly when you're producing an event or uh, something of that nature. I always appreciate it when people, if I say you have five minutes to talk, actually you have only. No, if I say you have, um, I'll say you have three minutes expecting you to go five minutes because most people go over, right? <laughs> And so I'm always trying to make sure we're within our, our um, timeline. So really good um, practices, I would mm-hmm. say, that um, can impact you in other areas of your life as well. Uh, but we're going to take a moment now and listen to, we're going to, let's see, we're going to start at the beginning of the uh, program uh, that you had at uh, Can TV, And this is how the show opened. Uh, with a particular question that people are answering. And then we're going to hear a little bit of your first story, uh, Michelle. And then we're going to come back on the other side of that and, and, and talk to you about that. Okay? Okay. All right. So here is a habit of tenderness. What was a memorable, tender moment for you? Was it nestled up on the couch with that special someone? Was it this morning when a stranger gave you your first cup of hot tea? Was it when a friend helps you remember a long-forgotten memory? Was it when someone did something kind for you without you even asking? Was it a soft whisper, early morning, and a kiss on the forehead? Was it when the Uber driver turned up the music for your favorite song because he heard you singing it in the back seat? Was it when you caught someone's eye and they looked at you and you looked at them and you knew? A memorable, tender moment for me was an encounter with a stranger that said, I feel you. I was the only black person in this travel delegation from Elmhurst College to South Africa, my one and only trip to the continent. My travel mates 
thought that I was sick. I had been in my hotel room for two days, but I was sick of them. I was sick and tired of them not understanding how big this trip was for me. I was sick of them not understanding my brokenheartedness at seeing the injustices viewed from my point of view. So I get away from them and I go for a walk and I enter this lovely gift shop and I'm greeted by this petite chocolate African woman. I know she felt my sadness and my loneliness because she offered me warm hospitality and invited me to tea upstairs from the gift shop at her private art gallery. And she takes me up the stairs and she leaves me there, she says, so it could all speak to me. And it did. It spoke to me from generations past. It spoke to me from majesty and history denied the rich colors, the animal skins, the photographs, the intricate wood carvings. It was stunning. When I first started high school, like many freshmen, I wanted to be around the popular kids. I wasn't popular and I was a little shy and they were very intimidating. So I just stayed back and I watched them from afar and I admired them. I admired their confidence. One day, I ended up in a room with a popular girl, but she was different. She was nice. <laughs> Everyone said so, so I mustered up a little courage and I went up to her and I started talking to her. And as we were talking, I realized she is nice. And so I blurted out, will you be my friend? And thankfully, she said yes. I was so excited and happy that I had made friends with someone who was popular. But then it, we started hanging out. We had lunch together. We would go see the movies. We started to gain a real friendship. One day she gave me a necklace and I wore that necklace every day for a week. And I told everyone that my friend, the popular kid, gave it to me. We had a wonderful friendship and everything was good until the end of sophomore year when she left. She went to an art school, so I thought, okay, that makes sense. You wanna change it up. But then after six months, she dropped out of there. I was confused. So I went to talk to her. She told me that she was struggling with her mental health. I had no idea. I had no clue. I asked her to explain it to me because she was a popular girl. She was smart. She had actually scored 100 points higher than me on the SAT, and now she was telling me she dropped out of school and she was gonna get her GED? She said, yeah, sometimes I have voices in my head and they tell me things. Sometimes I'm really happy and I feel like Superwoman, but then other times I get really down and sad and I wanna self-harm and I have suicidal ideation. I didn't understand any of this, but I said, okay. 
And we are back. Again, we're with members of the Soul Collective. And we just heard from Keela, Keela Moore. Tell us a little bit about your story. Again, you're not hearing the entire story today. We want to encourage you to go to YouTube and check out this program. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think you'll really be um, encouraged and want to hear much more from the Soul Collective. But Keela, tell us about your story and what kind of reactions you've received to the story. Yeah, well, the my sisters here at Soul Collective encouraged me to uh, flesh out the story on mental health and my the friendship I have, have with someone from high school um, and how that's developed over the past 20 years and changed. Um, I've received a lot of great feedback, including from the friend who I was like most concerned about and making sure that she appreciated the story, that she felt like she was heard because... Um, as Michelle mentioned, sometimes it is hard to be heard and seen. And so I wanted to tell my story to give her a voice. And she loved it. And her mother loved it. And then I heard from other people who said that they could relate. Maybe they had family members or friends who are going through mental illness or um, challenges of their own. And that is what fuels me to continue doing the stories and creating uh, personal stories that I can relate to, that I can share with others. So did you talk to your friend about telling the story publicly? I did. I talked to her first to get her permission. And then when I had developed it to a good point, I performed it to her and got her feedback and her blessing. And then I continued working on it and then went live. And then I asked her, you know, again, just right before making sure that she was okay with it. And she was. It's really wonderful that one, she was willing to share and have you share that story because we just hear more and more about mental health um, and that we still need to work to normalize having those conversations. Uh, but this is one of the ways that you're doing such good work, right? In so many different ways. It, it is so much more than telling a story. And I think that is what um, really has meant so much to me when I'm hearing people telling stories and with the kind of intentionality that you use in terms of how you create the stories that you are really, um, you know, in many ways doing a, a community service, right? To be to put this these ideas out uh, and to have people react to them because any kind of reaction means people are talking about it. And that's a really important piece of this work. Is that something you thought about as you all started to think about the kinds of stories you will tell? Because one of the things I noticed is when Emily is giving the overview of Soul, um, mm -hmm. you know, during the... Um, recording uh, for Can TV, it really just talks about, you know, the responsiveness and um, interest in, in terms of tuning into what's happening in the world, yeah. right? How we're being impacted by black and brown folks. And here is a place where we can talk about that. Yeah, I think it, it has... It is, it is evolved organically in that direction, right? You know, so I think one of the things that I think about when I think about the power of sport storytelling is um, how much this shows human connectivity. Mm -hmm. And and also, I think what's special about our work is that we, you know, sometimes we hear the same stories about black women all the time, right? You know, yes. so... We could have conversations about how many times we got called angry or 
how we grew up having less than other folks or something else. And these are stories, I think all the stories that we've ever told within Soul are about sort of our everyday lives and things that people can relate to and and see, but see it through our point of view, which I think can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. And what are you hoping that your audience members walk away with when they've come to a a production and and do you refer to it? I think of it as a production because most recently what I saw was actually a really lovely mm-hmm. production and mm-hmm. and you had someone directing it and and you know it was it was much different I would say than what you what I saw during the summer right, right. because it wasn't being filmed for one thing. Yeah, the, well, the one in the summer was filmed, but it was filmed by our video. But for yourself, but yes, 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 right? Yes. I mean, not that yeah. it couldn't be shown, but yeah. it, it's a very different than it going on the television, right? Television, yeah. right? Um, I think what we're hoping is that again, sort of to elevate um, black women's voices or women of color's voices, again, to show us as fully formed, three dimensional human beings. You know that get to travel abroad and do have struggles with mental illness, but that's not the only thing that's happening in our lives. Or, um, you know, the story that you shared of mine was literally about me sitting in my car, watching somebody help somebody else Mm -hmm. and feeling in unity with them. Mm -hmm. You know, so how do we take these small moments that someone else can relate to, I think is really important. And the feedback that we've gotten when we've had talkbacks with audiences is that my favorite quote is someone said, it was so um, liberating to hear my story come out of somebody else's oh, mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when, when she said that, and I wish I could find her, I don't even know who it was. Um, it's like, wow, we're hitting mm-hmm. on something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're hitting on something because there are too many times when we're invisible, where we are erased, or we're silenced or not heard at all. And so that's what I think can be really powerful and important. Lovely. Michelle? I wanted to share uh, something that uh, a gentleman that came to the show said to me. He said, every story told... He said, was my story. Mm-hmm. He said, every single story. It was a, something that I could remember from my past that you all pricked my conscience with. So that was just, just Oh, so my wonderful. goodness. That's incredible. So it really is, it, it's, it's um, meeting people where they are, uh, opening folks up to new ideas. And I love this piece about... Um, how we show up with our multiple identities, right? Mm-hmm. What we refer to as intersectionality, mm-hmm. right? We're just not who we may appear to be. Um, it's when we're doing our work at Morton Group and we're doing an equity workshop, um, you know, people sometimes want to use pronouns, sometimes they don't. But when we start with pronouns, we're trying to get people to understand that it is not so much that you need a particular pronoun. We're doing this for the other people in the room mm-hmm. who may not feel welcome or feel like they can if they're not operating in a binary, in a more traditional binary. And so... Understanding that it's not just about you, but it's also about the other folks that are in the space, that are sharing space with you, that are listening. I think it just changes how you you move through the world. And I think hearing these stories has, can have that, that same impact. Um, this piece about not being erased, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, and having your stories lifted uh, in a particular manner. How has that impacted you outside of the storytelling uh, sort of sphere, if you will? Um, I think 
listening to Keila talk about confidence um, mm. and leadership has helped me too. Um, so I think it is made, it is given me, you know, so to build up this part of my creative life has also helped me in my professional life mm -hmm. and my identity as a leader mm -hmm. um, in a way that, quite frankly, is surprising. You know, I just hadn't really thought about all these other residual impacts. And I think also just personally, it's just it's just fulfilling, mm -hmm. right? Um, to have this, to having built a new community and family mm -hmm. um, that I can come to, you know, we, we start every workshop and, and Emily asked us a question about how are we showing up today or what color were we feeling yes. or, or mm -hmm. you know, something else. And, and we all have something different to say. And oftentimes we meet on Monday nights, which is like, you know, a deadly time to exactly. meet. Like we're all tired. That's right. Um, it's the beginning of the week as opposed to the end of the week. But we're already, <laughs> but we're able to hear each other mm -hmm. and support each other in a way that has been, personally and prof and professionally fulfilling in a way that I didn't anticipate when we were dreaming this up around my kitchen table. And well, so many things have happened that way, right? Yes. Around someone's kitchen table. Yes. Exactly. Well, you know, we're listening to Soul, uh, the Soul Collective, and we have uh, several members here today, uh, Shelly and Keela and Michelle. And when we come back on our last segment uh, for today's show, we're going to talk about how you can get involved with Soul, what that beginning looks like. And I'm just going to tell you now, it may not be right away because lots of people are interested in soul. Okay, the word has gotten out, um, which is not a bad bad challenge to have. Um, but we're going to come back and talk a little bit a little bit about how you can get involved when the time is right uh, for you to maybe tell a story with this uh, incredible group. You're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment. back on Living Out Loud, and it has been delightful to have uh, members of the Soul Collective. And I know lots of folks are probably wondering, how do I get involved with Soul? And so, Shelley, tell us the process of getting involved and what happens before you wind up on stage. Right. Um, so we have a core 
group of a group of women that have repeatedly come back to us every time. Like I said, we have two shows a year and we have a workshop and rehearsal process before we get to those shows. Um, the process has been when we've invited new people in, like Michelle literally emailed us um, after our show and I said, okay, we're volunteer led, give us a minute. We've developed a process of having a virtual open house where we have a series of group agreements and we talk through those group agreements because since we are volunteer led, we are interdependent on each other for our own success. Um, we also talk about our fees structure. We have a pretty low fee structure, we believe, because we pay our artistic director and Thank we you. pay and we feel very serious. We take that very seriously. We also have, you know, all the things that are required. We have um, a photographer and makeup artist and, you know, all these things. Very that People important. that have to make us look good, right? You know, we were <laughs> trying to get to high polish, um, but we have to pay our people. You know, so what does it mean in terms of the cost, in terms of time, the cost in terms of money, and also the the relationship that we're expecting with each other? So what is our individual responsibility? What is our what is our responsibility to each other? And then what are we trying to produce for the community? And so we have everyone really sign off on those on those group agreements at the beginning of the session, and then we start the workshop process after that. And the workshop process again is how many months? We, we we work for about six sessions and then we have a rehearsal process that's a good three or four sessions and then we go to show. Okay. So it's a good quarter. Of yeah, and work. It's, so it's a commitment. Yeah. And yes. I'm assuming that, you know, on occasion things come up and Someone has something that they can't make. How how do, how is that adjusted for you know life is life, yes. if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Emily is very generous and um, makes sure to make time for one on one sessions. Ideally, nobody misses more than one. Sometimes mm -hmm. it happens when people miss two, but most times it's one. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when I've missed one a session where I have written something out and said, someone read this for me and just record it and I'll take the feedback that way. So we just figure out a way to work with folks where they're at. Nice. In our rehearsal process, um, we also have a peer-led rehearsal process in our last final Hail Mary, if you will, before we get on stage. And, and that is peer led. So that's actually without our artistic director, where we really run through together with each other. So that's another way of sort of developing our own confidence, but also developing again how we support each other, which I, I think we've gotten a lot of good feedback from members in terms of how important it is and how much they've gotten from the other members of the group to build up our own confidence and to know that we're ready to go. Okay. So as we um, think about this year in front of us, 2024, uh, I, I tend to make um, intentions and uh, try to think about what I really want to do in the new year. And I'm just curious if any of you do anything around resolutions or intentions, anything of that nature, Michelle? My intention has been to stay in this creative energy mm. as much as possible. And I've been encouraging everybody I know to say your life needs it. If it's not storytelling, it's got to be something. Your soul Needs, needs it, it. Needs it. Your, That's right. I haven't been storytelling, but I have been uh, tap dancing. So oh, I'm hoping to get fun. back to that. Um, I had to take a little break, but I bought some really expensive tap shoes, so I'm going back. Um, so that is my intention, is to get back to tap dancing, because I it, it's something that I 
I can't think about anything else when I'm doing it because I'm not that good. So I really have to concentrate <laughs> on every step that I'm taking. Keela, what about you? Yeah, similar um, to build out this. This is a passion project for me. So to get better with uh, my stories, to be more involved with the group and help us grow. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was start reading more. And I've already started reading more books for the year. So Wonderful. Um, yeah, lots okay. of good intentions. And and what for? What about you? Um I start every year promising to journal more, uh -huh. which, you know, and then I fall off or then, and then I get back <laughs> on. Same with tracking my food. Like, you know, so I got back on my Noom, but, you know, then I'll fall off. And I'll get, I'll but get every day we get on. to reset, right? We get to reset. <laughs> every day. We, every day we get to reset. That's right. So, so I'm trying that. Um, I am reading more fiction, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, so uh, so that those are all, all good things to, to sort of, take care of myself. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one thing I've started to say to folks when I'm doing uh, coaching is less about work-life balance, which I don't think is a reality, but work-life integration, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because this idea of being in balance, it just, it, it I think, puts some pressure on us that yeah. it's, it's just not really attainable. Um, so I want to thank you all for being here. Michelle Hughes, Keela Moore, and Shelly Davis. Thank, thank you. you so much for being here. You've been listening to members of Soul, uh, Soul Collective, and I'm going to ask Keela to tell folks how they can find Soul. Uh, well, we have a variety of ways to find us. You can email us up at C-H-I-S-O-L-W-O-M-X-N at Gmail. That's I soul women but instead of the e it's an x at gmail you can also find us on instagram we are shy soul women with the e and you can find us on youtube at soul collective now you know you find us you'll see that sun and then you know it's the right group all right and when we um post the show uh, on tomorrow we will include all of that contact information as well. Thank you so much Thank for you. joining me Thanks, here Mary. on Living Out Loud. That wraps us for today. Thank you so much, Henry. Uh, we will see you next week when we have a really special edition, another special edition of Living Out Loud. John D'Amelio will be joining me, who is uh, a very well-known historian, and we're going to be talking about uh, the life and times of Bayard Rustin. Oh, so that is good. next week on Living Out Loud. Until then, have a great week.